We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the Men from Odo, and you're listening to episode 70, Startled Awake. My name is David Seville, and I have awoken Travis from his slumber this week. How are you, sir? I'm very sorry, David. I'm very sorry that I slept through the podcast last week, and very thankful that Tommy was there to save my bacon. Uh, your editing is much appreciated, as well as your hosting duties. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, missed, I missed most of that. Can you repeat some of that for me so I can record it? Here, I'll, I'll say it in Canadian. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. We got it all worked out, and uh, glad that you guys were able to put together the podcast last week anyway in my absence. So it all worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing this week, Dave? Things are good. Um, got over my deadlines at work, so I got to do some streaming this weekend and uh, did four Dominaria drafts, which was really good, and had a couple of trophies. It was uh, it was sweet. I learned a few things about the format. I am nowhere near the, let's say, Lords of Limited uh, capacity in uh, in drafting yet. I only have still 10 or 11 underneath my belt, but um, I'm feeling pretty confident about the set and uh, enjoying it quite a bit still. It will... I will draft it to the end, I think. Um, I will draft it until the, the core set comes out, and uh, I think I will enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, I, I think this one's got some legs. Like, I'm, you know, what are we, a month or so in now? And I'm still looking forward to drafting and having fun. Like, even with Arena out, and, like, uh, the Arena's gotten a little bit stale except for drafting on the weekends, just because it's kind of, you know, best of ones. We can't really add any new cards, and I got the decks I want. I actually played Magic Online and drafted today on stream, so I I think that speaks to the power of the format. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to Dominaria drafts this weekend. I skipped, um, what was it last weekend? Hour of Devastation. Mm-hmm. I, I saved like I saved all of my gold for Dominaria this weekend. Yeah, I was looking forward to drafting Hour of Devastation, but had this pesky P, uh, GP that I, I attended instead. So tell us about your GP. How did that go? Not too good. Although I will say from the perspective of did I have fun, yes, I had a lot of fun. I teamed up with my good friend Martin Brunet, who uh, you know, and like anybody who watches my stream knows, there's an emote set after him, uh, as well as Jeff, who is now I would call my good friend Jeff. Prior to that, he was Jeff that I knew from seeing at GPs and was friends with KYT and a bunch of other folks. Uh, But he's another Montreal guy, super cool dude, and uh, just had a blast, made a new friend. We, We enjoyed it. But there were some mistakes made in our building for day one uh, that I think really cost us. Okay. Well, we'll go over that in a little bit here. Um, we had some arena news today we're going to talk about. There was a developer update. Yep. Um, and uh, there's some big news there coming out. Not quite the economy update that a lot of people were looking for, but we're hoping to get that later this week. And we're going to see if we can't nail down somebody from Wizards to, to get on the podcast to talk about that. Hopefully, maybe in the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed if we can get that to happen. Uh, we will see and we'll let you know if we uh, if we can nail that down. Um, but why don't we just jump right into your GP story? So you went to the Team GP this weekend, as you said. Um, mm-hmm. Walk us through your experience. What did what did you do? Um, how what mistakes did you make there? Obviously, and then um, and how did you end up with your record? And what did you do on Sunday? So 
I, I did a lot of prep solo, and I, I said on stream and I said on the podcast last week that the best way to prep for a team-sealed event, if you're not with your teammates, is to draft. That the team-sealed decks often end up looking like pretty good draft decks, and that, that's a better way to see what you'd be facing. And then I made a mistake as I was doing those drafts, which was I avoided going for three- and four-color nonsense decks, because I figured there'd be no reason to do that in Team Sealed, that we just build according to the archetypes. But nonsense is an archetype in Dominaria. And I bumped into that when uh, the boys got here, and we spent all day Friday. We built two pools and played a bunch of games, because I wanted to get a lot of paper practice, and I don't play much paper magic. And we found some nonsense decks there. We also ended up with a mono-white deck, which is important for when we get to the, the build. Uh, we got there, and we opened everything, and like... Prior to getting our pools, you know, the people across from us register them and verify them and everything, we're looking over the deck list, and it, it looks like there's just three decks that are there and very obvious. One is kind of Jund good stuff. So, like, there's a, a Josu Vess, uh, there's uh, Truck Sauce, there's Trogdor the Faminator, or whatever his name is, as, as well as, like, some support and some good removal. There's a, a pretty obvious green-white tokens deck, with two of the green-white legends, um, a Danatha, some equipment, and some token producers, sapperling migrations, that sort of thing. And then it looks like there's a very obvious blue-red wizard stack. Because we've got Adele, we've got Naven, and we've got Nero. So we're like, hey, this is kind of neat. They just sort of built themselves. And we went through and decided uh, Martin would play the very grindy deck. Jeff would play the tokens deck. He's probably the most technically competent player out of the three of us uh, in that he plays a lot of paper magic and is very good at it. And then I would play the wizard stack. And as I'm building it, and this is where I think we should have seen the issue, I, I end up with about 32 cards. And I'm like, guys, what am I supposed to cut from this? I'll, I'll tell you the actual answer in a minute. But we puzzled over it and trimmed it down and got it to a fairly aggressive deck that was actually playing two of the uh, Lava Runners, the one-mana one-twos that get haste later. It was playing Opt. I know you would be proud. I just got my wings. Yeah, you did. And uh, Warlord's Fury to, to kind of combo with Adele. And one of the cards we set on the sideline was a Tempest Gen. With the, because the, the mana was so split, the idea was I could side into a heavier blue deck and bring that in if I wanted it. And the deck ended up performing okay when it was on the play, but it was very much a ground-based attacker that had a lot of neat combos with Adele. Um, and then, like, I, I did once get to have Naben and be able to cast the Mana Warlock and bounce two things, and that was great. But, like, I, I played it. I didn't actually win a match, uh, which, which was frustrating um, there were two that I think I could have won, but they finished their games first, so it kind of didn't matter. And I mean, that's what's important in Team Sealed. And I played against Sapperlings all day, which was kind of a, a bad matchup for what I was trying to do with killing them on the ground. And it wasn't, we ended up going uh, two and three and deciding to drop and go home. And it was in the car ride on the way home where I said, did we have a mono blue deck? And they both kind of uh. looked at me and were like, I'm, I'm not sure, because we had a uh, Tatiova that we ended up not playing because we just couldn't fit it anywhere. We got home and took out all of the red. That was the answer when I was saying, what should I cut? Was the red. Then add in Tatiova, um, four forests, and the four relic runners that we ended up not playing with a couple of artifacts. And we tested that deck and it was actually really good. Like, A plus deck. So I, 
I think if we had built that properly, we'd had a much better chance uh, in, and then you, in day one of the GP. And then you can shove whatever good red spells that you were playing that you were splitting between the Jun deck and you potentially, or you end up with like a black red deck. Yeah. Um, and you can shift that green around. Yeah, that especially putting the Tempest Gin in the, in the sidelines, like that makes sense. But I've been I've been hearing a lot of people saying that they don't like red in this format. Um, and which is interesting because I mean the, the removal seems decent, but the creatures seem underwhelming. So it, it's interesting that you guys came there, and and that is the the tough part of Team Sealed, right? I wonder if you guys just didn't have enough experience um, building those team pools, right? You guys said you did a couple of boxes or a couple of pools. Yeah, J- Jeff and Marty had been doing it all week, and then we did two of them together. And I don't think it was experience. I think it was just getting hung up on Adele mm-hmm. um, and seeing that we had some red cards that said Wizard. We had the five mana three three that pings things, and I did get to play that and ping for six and double it, and it, it's that that was cool, but it still wasn't quite good enough because I just could never get through the million Zapperling tokens on the ground. Whereas the mono blue deck could because it's got it had four copies of Relic Runners that were getting unblockable quite often, and then just a decent solid Air Force, and I, I really think it would have util, utilized the Tatiova. So. It, I think that was a pretty serious misbuild on our part, but uh, overall, the experience was great. I do have two other little stories I want to tell. By all means. So one, so Jeff is in the middle. So I hear this from across the table. I hear Martin say, okay, uh, block, end of turn, Garna, untap, Joseph S. Kick, swing. What? What? (laughs) What? So he was at two, chump blocked, had Garna in hand, then played it to flashback the chump blocker and top deck Josu, and just happened to have enough mana to cast it and swing for lethal. He was at two, his opponent was at like, I don't know, 20. Jeez. And just slammed it and swung and stole the game. There was actually another Martin moment now that I think about it. It was uh, turn two, Elfheim Druid, turn three, Truck Sauce, um, turn four, Tap the druid, sack the druid, Torgar, put you at 10, untap truck sauce, swing for seven, you're at three. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> and then that sounds incredible. Only in Team Sealed. There was one nice, other nice little moment where we play, and I'm playing against this young lady. I, I don't know exactly how old she was, but she was young and just totally annihilated me. She had a really good deck, and it, it was a bad matchup. And my deck, in addition to being misbuilt, just sort of didn't function particularly well that when I was having some mana troubles in addition. And at the end, she said, you're a streamer, right? I said, yeah. And she said, you taught me how to play sealed. And immediately Martin's there with, and so the student has become the master. (laughs) But I mean, that was the best part of it was getting to bump into a bunch of people who watch the stream or who are other streamers. We had dinner with Scott Vance, uh, who is a a big supporter of my stream and a, a personality in chat. And then I just met tons of people. I got to see DC Sports again. I met Hobo Car Wash, uh, the Lobster Dude, like all sorts of different people were there. I met Biz Biz Biz. So like all of these people from chat, it was kind of neat to be able to put a face to the name and interact with them some. And then it's it's always a good time to hang out with Marty and Jeff. They're just good people. We ended up doing an escape room after the events were all said and done just so we could go win something together. Did, did you win? Did you escape? We did with 20 minutes to spare. Nice. We were quite pleased with ourselves. Escape rooms are, are will either make you feel like you're the smartest person alive or the dumbest person alive. There's really no in between. Yeah. 
this one had a lot of math in it, which confirmed our decision to give Jeff the combat heavy deck because he was doing like I was getting out my calculator to do the math and he'd already done it. <laughs> like, all right, this guy's handy. That sounds like a pretty good experience overall. Did you play on Sunday, though? Did you stick around for a PTQ? We did. We came back and we opened a pool that was significantly worse than the one we had before. We had three rare lands. Um, we again ended up with a very aggressive blue-white deck that we misbuilt by putting 16 lands in it. Uh, we tried it later. At 15, it actually ran really well. And I, But I was very hesitant to go to 15. Uh, but it, it was just like 10 two drops. It was absolutely absurd. Uh, Jeff's deck, I think, turned out pretty well. Mine turned out pretty well, too. It, it had trouble with turn two, Sapperling Migration, turn three, Song of Freylays. So, like, that knocked me out in the first round. The second round, I finally, same, different opponent, but I managed to, like, get the board clear before the Song of Freylays triggered. And then they just slammed Moldrotha and played it again. I was like, all right, all right. This is this is kind of over. Oh, well, I mean, as long as you had fun with your experience and you learned something, which it sounds like you did. Certainly did. Like I said, on, on day one, recognizing that there was a mono blue deck, there was a big deal. And recognizing that in Team Sealed, you're going to have some nonsense decks, some three and four color decks. And like, that's okay. That's absolutely okay to do there. Okay. Would do a team sealed again, it sounds like. I, w- I got to get out to one of those one of these years. It's the most fun you can have playing Magic. But I have to be wearing clothes to do it, so... There is that. Like It, it also made me appreciate digital Magic and digital events. Because like a- after we'd finished, you know, we'd spent an entire day there. Two of my friends have flown in from another country... You know, we've put them up at our house. They're having to buy food. Like, there's all this investment to go there and lose. Whereas if we're playing a digital event, you know, it's just kind of done, right? You win, you lose. You turn off the computer and go watch a movie with your wife. That's a true story. Although there is something to be said for shuffling cards on in paper, right? And, like, the snap of your top deck as you put it into your empty hand and then slam it onto the board for lethal. I kick my Josu on turn six or whatever, and I swing for 20. Um, I don't know. I, I still like paper, to be fair. Meh, I'd rather play digitally. If they get digital team GPs, I oh my god, that's going to be great. And we could do that with Arena, man. Mm, you say that we could do that with Arena. I know the technical challenges around doing that with Arena, so I'm going to withhold judgment on that one. Hey, let a man dream. All right, you can dream. I will not correct your dreaming. Well, that sounds like a lot of you fun. You might startle but... me awake, but let me dream. <laughs> nice nice callback there. So, all right. Let's roll into arena updates. Let's get into the meat of the, the podcast here. So, uh, today there was a developer announcement video, which is kind of great. It was a about a four-minute video on everything that is coming out on Arena on June the 7th. So, I know it was a four-minute video, but it gives us a lot to talk about. Um, they were light on some details, but I think we can kind of assume a lot of things from from what they talked about. So the first major bullet point is Kaladesh and Aether Revolt comes out in a week, June 7th. Boom. Which which also means that we will have full standard on June 7th. Um, I don't know if they said anything about bans, but I assume that there will be bans in They said the ban list well. will be in place. Well, there you go. So we will have full and complete standard that you will be seeing at the Pro Tour, I believe this weekend, is it? Mm-hmm. Um you will be able to go and play all of those standard decks on Arena next week, which is great. 
So first thing that comes to mind here is, oh my god, I have another set that I have to go and collect. Which seems a little daunting at first. However, they've also announced that they will be giving everyone a copy of each rare and mythic in Kaladesh and uh, Aether Revolt. Two copies of each common and uncommon, which is like half of the collection, basically. Uh, and then you're also getting full play sets of some of the most commonly ca- played Kaladesh and Aether Revolt cards in competitive standard right now. Which is amazing. Because this means that you can basically go out and build most of the um, the Challenger decks that are heavily constructed from Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. So the Vehicles deck, the, uh, the Mardu Vehicles deck... And the, what's the other deck? Um, the Sapperlink? No, not uh, sorry, the Constrictor deck. You're pretty close to having everything you need from the Constrictor deck, too, it looks like. You have Walking Ballistas, Lint Sleeves, Siphoners, Aether Hubs, Fatal Pushes, all of that kind of stuff. Um, as well as Fumigates, so people that are playing Blue-White Control will also get kind of the ability to annoy their opponent into oblivion um, without having to play Settle the Wreckage anymore. Yeah, that's definitely something they needed was Morath's. More wraths. Um, so, what's what's your take on this? What? How do you feel about this? This is a fantastic way to introduce Kaladesh into the beta. I think it's also a neat opportunity for new players. You, you had mentioned in our pregame show you were showing a buddy how to play Arena, and he was kind of getting rocked playing those starter decks. Like all of a sudden, when he logs in next Thursday, he's got all of these cards to build with, and that plus the starter decks that you already begin with sounds like he could probably build a pretty competitive deck. So I think it's a great way to introduce it into the beta. I'm curious when we go to launch, like exactly what we'll get and what we'll have to do. Because that first launch will be the most challenging one when we have to collect, you know, four sets worth of cards. And like, do you value collecting the Kaladesh and and the Emonket block cards at all, knowing that they're going to rotate relatively soon? I I probably don't. So like, I'm curious how that's going to go. But as far as an introduction, like... Hey, here it is. It's going to be live next week, and you're getting just about everything for free. That sounds fantastic. I, I can see that the reason that they did this, or I imagine that the reason they did this, is because it's impossible for people to collect enough cards to thoroughly test with from these two sets. Normally, these sets are going to be released on a much slower release schedule, but we've gotten, what, like three sets in the last month and a half, basically? Four sets in the last two months? Um, which is kind of insane from a, trying to keep up with the Joneses perspective. So I don't think that this will carry over into open beta after the wipe. Um, I expect Kaladesh will probably be rotated out by the time we go live, meaning that you probably won't be able to collect uh, Kaladesh, Aether Revolt, and the Amon Ket block. So I don't think going backward we're going to get this, but I imagine that you will probably have a starting collection you know, that is somewhat competitive to this or comparative to this like i I don't think that we'll just be dropped in with 12 welcome decks or 10 welcome decks again i think that um i'm betting that we will start with some amount of commons and uncommons and and a collection like this going forward to start with because collecting seven sets or whatever it is going to be is going to be just a dauntless task for people to start with um but for now it's great we get to play with some of our favorite decks from the past from pro tours past and probably from the current Pro Tour coming up, um, given that all of these cards are, like I said, some of the most popular cards in Standard right now. Yeah, heck yeah, sign me up. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, a couple of other things they're adding here, too. So they talked about a $5 welcome bundle 
they didn't really give us much detail on it, um, but it sounded like it was a one-time purchase for your account. So new players, quote-unquote new players only, um, which I assume means you can only buy it once. Um, and it says that it contains packs and gems, and they used the word generous when they described it. So I imagine it's probably something like, you know, 50% off regular price or something like that, but it looks like it. they've tried to to build something for newer players to get that initial purchase through so that people have something they can start off with and feel like they're getting value from their initial investment, which I think is a positive change here as well. Um, I imagine it's experimental, but I mean, something like this has existed in other games before, and um, there's probably no reason why it shouldn't be in Magic Arena. Yeah, I think this is a good thing. It gives you that opportunity to jump in, make a small purchase, and I, I think that may be the the dot connecting us from the starter decks that are kind of okay to building your first actual constructed deck where you get some gems, you can go do a draft. And now that you've done that, you can start to build something. Maybe you get a couple wild cards. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see the exact details, but whatever it is, it, it sounds good to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then from a gameplay perspective, um, they're adding best of three competitive queues. Um, didn't really give a ton of details, but they did say that there would be a higher entry fee um, with higher rewards on the so when they say competitive they mean from a payment perspective from an entry fee perspective as well as from a prize perspective so i'm looking forward to best of threes doesn't sound like it's going to be in the regular ladders just yet but that will be coming in the future um so i imagine for some players this will replace the quick constructed cues or league that we're playing in now the best of ones um and i'm looking forward to playing best of threes and trying to build some uh some new decks I'm curious if best of threes even need to be in the ladder. Like, I I think I like ladder play being relatively quick, fire up your deck and just play to get, like, rewards. I, I don't know that it needs that. But I am interested in having a sideboard again. So you don't have to do that awkward, you know, do I main deck two Golden Demise or three? Because it's going to be blank if I play against control and so good if I play against aggro. And, and now we can make those decisions again. So that'll be neat. Yeah, I I will... I would like to have a place where I can experiment with my best of three decks, with my sideboard decks. You know what I mean? And they did, they did say that they would have something like that. Yeah, so when you say you don't think it needs to be in ladder play, I would still like to have a place where I can do that because, you know, I'm not much of a deck builder, right? I finally got the best of one figured out, and I finally just <laughs> guessed at what main deck sideboard cards I needed. Um, but when it comes to best of threes, either I'm net decking or I'm experimenting a lot. And um, given a small collection you know, kitchen table style magic right now. Um, I'm going to want to be more on the experimental side of things. It also depends on the entry fees, right? If it's gems only, um, that could get a little expensive from somebody who's, you know, trying to build a deck and trying to test with a deck to, to get better. If it's gold and gems like it is now, um, then I'm sure it won't be a problem. Like a lot of people have gold coming out the wazoo these days. So if it's something around like a thousand gold to enter, as opposed to the 500 for quick constructed, I think that's probably a pretty good price point for that. Fair enough. Um, what kind of decks are you looking at playing in the best of three, do you think? Do you have anything on tap? I built a mono-white aggro deck today, just kind of off the cuff. Uh, I played a couple rounds with the Bolas deck, played a couple rounds with the Esper Approach deck, and was having a good time. It was like, there's probably a mono-white aggro deck. Let's see what it looks like. And just sort of threw something together in about five minutes, and it was awesome. So I, I may continue to do something kind of assertive, it's a little bit easier to build those decks too because you don't have as much pressure on your wild cards for lands. Um, so I'll probably start with something aggressive. Like the mono red doesn't need a lot of changes. You get chain, I mean, you lose Raptor Jesus, which kind of sucks, 
but you've got Chain Whirler there as a, an easy replacement, and we're getting Bromac Courier and Karizov, and I'm going to already have them, right? And now all of a sudden those are braids that you've been you know leaving out of the deck. They're going to come back in. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to my blue-white tokens deck going the way of the dinosaur with sideboards. What's going to kill it from the sideboard, do you think? What are you worried about? I, I think uh, Exile from the Graveyard effects. So like uh, Crook of Condemnations um, and things like that that people aren't main decking now. It's very rare to see even the the Scavenger Grounds land, people main decking that. Um, I do think that there will be... Some people will be putting Graveyard Hate in their sideboard, um, especially control decks. Um, if they think that this type of deck is kind of still a popular one on magic or on, on arena. Um, so I think it'll probably be okay for a couple of weeks and then people will start having that, that hate as well as enchantment hate. Like a lot of my removal is enchantment based seal aways, uh, cast outs, Ixlens bindings and the like. And, um, you know, the second you go to sideboard and people have, you know, green decks are running naturalize effects and blue decks are running, I don't know, I guess whatever they would run. I guess do you run bounce effects, like commit to memory or things like that. Blink of um, an eye is circling some lists now. Blink of an eye would be out of the sideboard and things like that too. Um, and then just in general, just people running more board wipes, right? So in a best of three, um, you know, the control decks can run board wipes and then side them out against control, um, which means that they can probably play more of them and take that risk in game one and be a better matchup in game two and three if they have to. Um, whereas they would just crush decks like mine with, you know, if somebody's playing three Fumigates in the main deck as a control deck, like I can play around Settle the Wreckage, that's great. But when I have to start playing around Fumigate, um, you know, in the main deck, because people either, well, first they have access to it, but second, it's not dead against a lot of decks because of the the best of three format. Um, I think there's just a lot of potential for a deck like mine to get kind of crushed. So We'll see, but I have the collection here, it looks like, to build, you know, I love Mardu Vehicles, I love playing it in paper, I've played the Challenger deck a few times now, um, I just gotta spend, like, four rare wild cards and I'm there, I think, um, which will get me through the next six months, I would think, of uh, competitive magic, and it'll be fun to play. Heck yeah! Heck yeah, and then I can also build my own decks with sideboards and, and finally have a way to, like, you know, side to sideboard against mono red and be able to sideboard against control and uh and side out removal and things like that so i'm looking forward to the the cat and mouse game of okay did my blue white opponent side in their bane slayer angel or is it still in the sideboard yep i look forward to that quite a lot maybe we'll have a sideboard uh not uh maybe not an entire podcast but a portion of a podcast for people that are new to a best of three format like if you're coming from kitchen table magic or you're coming from casual commander or something like that where there are no sideboards or Hearthstone where there's no sideboards um, and you've been playing arena, you're enjoying it. Now you have this best of three that everybody says is better than best of one, um, which it is if you're a more skilled player uh, or you want to be a more skilled player. But there are a lot of nuances in deck building and deciding what to side in and side out. Maybe we can do an entire topic on that. I think so. Um, One other thing about best of three. So I mentioned that, that, um, best of threes favor obviously the more skilled player um do you think that there will be i mean obviously there's going to be room for a best of best of one in the format but would you advise newer players to stick to best of one do you think or do you think that everybody should jump over to best of three if they have the options well it it depends like you, you've mentioned best of three favoring the more skilled player and like generally speaking that's the case 
because if if your win percentage is you know sixty percent per game and mine is fifty percent per game, you're more likely to win an individual game than me. So the match would favor you even more, right? Because I've got to hit fifty twice and you've got to hit sixty twice. You're probably going to hit that before me. So if if I'm a newer player and I don't quite know what I'm doing and I'm looking to spike some wins to either complete a quest or, or just learn a deck, then best of one would still be the the best place for me. Uh, in addition, they may do ranked rewards on a best of one ladder. So like, it, I also thought, thought it, it made an interesting format that we just hadn't seen before in Magic. So I, I do hope that it stays, um, at least in some form. But yeah, generally speaking, if, if you're newer to Magic, I would encourage you to stick to those best of one formats. And once you feel like you know what you're doing and you, you have a grip on you know what, what decks are out there, what sideboard cards you would want access to, then you can start playing those. Yeah, the, I think the big thing to keep in mind about best of threes, um, and you see this even at like, so we had the you had the team GP this past weekend. There's a reason why the top four of a team GP is like always these pro teams, or most of the times they're these teams that are made up of three amazing players that may be ranked in the top twenty five or fifty Magic players in the world, and it's because the more matches you play the less that variance impacts the overall outcome of the match, right? So in a best mm-hmm. of one, you know, variance has a higher impact than in a best of three. And in the the team sealed, you're playing a best of nine, if, if, as, essentially. It's the first to win three individual matches, but it's kind of like a best of nine or close yeah. to it. Um, so that means that if you get mana screwed in, in your match or in, in one game of your match, you know, that has such a low impact on the overall outcome of that team match because your your other two teammates could be crushing it right and then yours just doesn't matter so the more games of magic you play the less that variance is impacted on that so i think like you said if you're looking to spike a a few wins or you're you're learning the format or you're new to magic the best of ones are probably better for you even though it will feel bad sometimes right you'll feel like oh man i had this i had two games in a row where i got mana screwed and this sucks you know i wish i could play that third one or something like that and, and try to have a chance to win um you just have to look at everything as a whole. So like look at 10 matches as, or 10 individual games as a whole. And you're like, well, I won four of them. That's great. As opposed to the individual six losses. And you just kind of have to suck it up that you're going to get, you're going to get run over once in a while in a best of one. It's going to happen. Um, what else did they mention in the, in the announcements that I've missed here? Well, there was this little thing about best of three draft and draft being available 24 seven, no longer just on the weekends. Oh yeah, you know what? That's funny because I actually did legitimately forget about that one. It, I wasn't. I, I thought you were trolling. No, I wasn't playing Koi. It was not in my list of what I copy pasted from Reddit. Yeah. So, needless to say, I'm going to be drafting a lot beginning on June seventh. They're still, as I understand it for now, having the rotating formats where it's only one available at a time. So, like, ideally, I will be drafting a lot of Kaladesh, Aether, uh, Aether Revolt, Amonkhet Block, and uh, Dominaria, and a little bit less on the Ixalan. Maybe that's when we'll experiment, experiment with Constructed, uh, but I'm very much looking forward to draft on demand. Yeah, I, I hope that the prize... Well, I'm curious to see what the entry fee and prize structure changes, or if this replaces what we have now for Quick Draft. I don't um, think it's going to replace it. And I, I still think that the quick draft is is there for newer players who are wanting to build a collection and learn how to draft. I think what we're going to get is a, a version of best of three with bots still drafting because I don't think they've got everything. This is 
pure wild speculation. But I, I don't think they've got everything together for us to draft with each other yet. But I think they're going to put that in place and then introduce drafting with people to it very soon. Mm-hmm. It's a typical develop, development model where you develop things in bundles or like modules, right? So they first they had the draft interface and then they can introduce the best of three, which they're doing in constructed. And they're like, well, we can just tack that on a draft now. And then it'll be, let's, you know, put the pods together and put it all together and now we can draft best of three so um so we don't know anything about the price structure or the payment structure or the, the buy-in structure but i imagine it'll be similar to what we have now um until they get the, the pod drafting working and that's when i see it changing i'm hopeful that they actually go ahead and put the something close to the final structure in there and give us something with a higher buy-in maybe ten thousand gold and that you actually win enough at four wins to get a draft again like that's that's really what I'm looking for. Or I, I said four wins. I'm so used to drafting on arena. But if I go two and one, maybe I get enough to draft again. That's that's really all I'm after. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's all pure speculation. But I imagine we'll see. We might even see something in the economy update coming in the next couple of days um, that talks about that. Because when they talk about the economy, they have to take everything into account. You know, the 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 money coming in uh, when people buy into a draft versus the money going out, the price structure going out. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's we it's exciting times. Think of how far we've come in only a handful of months. Like it's only been how long since open beta? Like four months. It's been if that, that long. If that, that maybe it's been, been less that than long. that. Yeah. So um, it's very exciting to see the progress that they're making, um, and you can see improvements with every kind of major update that they've done. the The timing of the updates is, I think, people don't appreciate like just how quick these updates have been i think i've seen some complaints about people are saying like you know well why didn't we have kaladesh a while ago and it's like dude like we just got dominaria right like we've been playing dominaria for a month in paper or a month and a half in paper and you know and now you, you know, they've turned around essentially two full sets in a span of a couple of weeks here so um it's it's incredible progress and this kind of gives me not that i didn't have hope before but it gives me um more hope for what the open beta will look like and what the final version will look like and all of the features that could be there. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Well, it's kind of, they're putting their money where their mouth has been. They've told us we're going to have these things and they're introducing it at a pace that frankly surprises me. I was not expecting Kaladesh this soon. I was not expecting full standard this soon. So the fact that we're getting both of those and best of three drafts, like the, the last thing for me is I want to draft with other people and I want to see a competitive prize structure. Like, I'm also interested in some other things, some cosmetic things that I think would be neat. And I would like to have a friend list so that you and I can sit down and challenge each other to a game. Uh, I'd also like the function to be able to save draft decks and export draft decks so that if I have a really good draft deck and I want to play it against you, for example, we could do that. So there's a lot of stuff I still want, but like they're clipping this stuff out so fast. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. And I mean, they do have a set that they have to build. Core 19 is coming out fairly quickly, um, which is also crazy to think about like we're about a month and a half away from that i want to say like mid-july right Mm -hmm. so it's it's tough enough to have a quick development cycle like i work in the industry and i know what it's like um it's amazing to me that they're pumping out sets as well as features and delivering in what is pretty high quality for a beta i would say in in such a short amount of time so it's i have to give kudos to them it is amazing despite all the loud and vocal complaints about how slow it seems to be coming out um and it's it's really not like we have to put it into perspective here and i'm i'm quite impressed so 
there was a couple of other minor updates that they talked about here as well. Um, they're experimenting with a singleton format. Not quite commander, it doesn't sound like, which is probably because they haven't figured out what to do about the command zone yet. Um, but that will also be released, not with this update, but shortly after. So that looks like it could be cool. It could be the initial kind of brawl format, um, which some people would be interested in. Might not be for me necessarily, but um, I mean, having more formats is always good as long as it doesn't fracture the player base too much. And uh, the other thing that you talked about here, which is interesting, I wanted to get your take on this one, is um, your matchmaking rating is now directly tied to your rank. But what that means is is um, going forward that you're, you potentially will be earning rewards based on your, your matchmaking rating and not kind of these arbitrary rank tiers that you can earn... Um, you know, at, at like a static pace and you can't lose once you get to a certain rank. So, so what's your take on, on that? And what's your take on matchmaking rating in general? Um, when it comes to the idea that this matchmaking rating is essentially pushing people toward a 50% win rate where the more you win, the, the better players you play against. And the goal of a matchmaking system is to give you or give everybody essentially what averages out to about a 50% win rate, give or take, you know, a standard deviation or whatever. I think generally speaking, that sort of matchmaking system is good for online gaming, right? Like when we were playing Heroes, we didn't want to get matched against people who actually knew what they were doing. They'd annihilate us. And it wasn't super fun to play against people who didn't know what they were doing because we'd just roll over them. So like when when our MMRs got reasonable and we played enough games, we'd have good games consistently. And that was a lot of fun. I, I don't want to see it happen specifically in draft. So let's say we go into a league draft and then they're using that particular MMR and I have to play against somebody who's actually good and they have to play against me who's good and then these people who aren't very good play against each other. Like I'd kind of like us to all be in the same pool when it comes to tournaments. Where I am very interested in this is for ladder play and I I think it's absolutely something they should incentivize there. So I'm curious to see where it's going to go, how it's going to work. It's one of those things I'm going to need to play with. But generally speaking, MMR is a good thing for online gaming. Yeah, and for people that play in, in tournaments, Swiss tournaments in anything, but specifically in Magic right now, is it's almost like everybody's MMR resets at the beginning of the tournament, and then mm. they start matching you based on win record, which is kind of like the same as MMR, just on a really small scale. And that's and that's what we'd like to see. So we'd like to see... I'm, I'm with you on this one, basically, is like, um, you know, winners play winners people that don't win play people that don't win i don't want to call them losers um but and then the 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 cream of the crop eventually rises and wins the tournament um but it still gives potentially competitive games to people that stay in in like the o2 or the o3 bracket or whatever the the tournament structure is um so you do end up with these competitive games eventually or people that are playing for something against people that are playing for the same thing so you're playing with people that are on your on your same tier in a swiss in a Swiss environment. And, you know, that's not to say that, you know, two people that are 0 and 2, you know, they're, 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 they might, they might be great players, right? They might just have a, an unlucky streak or they, you know, maybe they built a bad deck or something like that, but they can still potentially have a competitive game there. It's just that that competitiveness should be determined by their record in the tournament and not how well they play outside of the tournament. Agree. Is essentially what you're saying. So I'm 100% on board with you with that one. Um, and it sounds like they're going to do placement games. So for anybody that's played any kind of ranked online game, sometimes you have a series of placement games, which are against people that are also doing placement games. And they take those wins and losses and then give you a rank, a starting rank at the end of that. So you don't have to start at the very bottom and grind your way up. You're basically 
they attempt to place you in a spot where you will be competitive right out of the gate or at least close to where your rank is so you can see you know you'll go up a little bit or down a little bit before you find your true matchmaking rating so that'll be interesting to see how that works um with no prizes on the line i'm not really going to take it too seriously um but it'll be you know you don't have to worry about getting the master and then just kind of playing jank because there's nothing to play for anymore if you care about that kind of ranking system you have to kind of play seriously to maintain it uh it seems like for the most part there was also the addition here of daily card rewards going to 15 instead of four which -hmm. i think is a pretty big deal i i actively like that because i still felt like after i had played through you know i don't know maybe five quick constructed events kind of felt like okay i did the arena thing for today and that's eventually what led me to going to to draft dominaria this afternoon which was a great experience and i had a lot of fun we had some neat decks and a terrible deck but i i like the idea that you know i could play through four or five of those and then be like well i've still got you know two card rewards to unlock for the day so let's let's go ahead and do that mm-hmm. yeah and they they said it would be that they would maintain the the front loaded gold rewards for the first four wins and that the remaining wins would kind of alternate between gold and cards and they said that the cards i think they said would be uncommon rewards or better which means like there's the chance to upgrade them just like you get or like we had before but also like you get in quick constructed where your uncommons can sometimes upgrade to rares or mythic so um i think it'd be cool to have something to play for for you know longer and if you are jamming quick constructed um it's just a nice little extra bonus for you um after your first four wins so i think that'll be a positive change um i think that'll be a drop in the bucket compared to what they talk about with their economy release hopefully this week um i'm really looking forward to see uh if there's positive news there for people um that seems to be the major gripe of people right now which is amazing because um the, you know, it means I, the game works if they're it, complaining exactly. about that if there's there's some small bugs you know things like ordering the stack and things like that but if the if if the all the complaints are outside the actual gameplay i think we have a very good system and they just need to tweak those knobs and dials to get everybody kind of in the zone when it comes to free to play as well as pay to play players yeah and and people also need to adjust their expectations like i I deal with a lot of folks in stream i I guess deal isn't quite the right word perhaps interact with a lot of folks in stream is a better way to say it who come in and, and are immediately upset that they start playing and they don't have access to all the cards and i'm like that that just doesn't happen anywhere in magic Right, like you can't just decide one day I'd like to start playing magic and teleport a full collection into your house. You know, if you got those kind of powers, you should be doing something besides playing magic with it. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I, I see their point though, right? On Magic Online, you can go to a bot and you can spend a bunch of money and do that. Um, magic Arena is a little bit more abstract when it comes to building a deck, right, or building a tier one deck. But that's another it, conversation for another day. It is, but it also isn't. And I, I know it's another conversation for another day, but I'm going to have a, a small piece of it here. Like I did eventually sink a hundred bucks into arena, mainly because it has done so well for the stream. Like my viewership is tripled. There's a bunch of new people coming in and asking questions. I was like, I'd like to be able to play something besides the mono red deck that I built to kind of share with these people. And I've ended up being able to build like four decks out of that hundred bucks, as well as do, I mean, infinite drafts. And I've still got gems left over. So like, I I don't think it's actually that difficult. Like on Magic Online, sure, I could go spend $200 and get a deck. But here I spent a hundred and I've got like four. Yeah. And you're not wrong. And and I do I do agree with you. It's just, I do understand where people are coming from as well from the other side of it. Me as a f- pure free-to-play player, um since the drafts came out i found like my 
quote unquote progression has gone way down because I'm saving for drafts. And if you skip a weekend of drafts, it feels like you didn't do anything in your collection at all. Um, so it does sometimes feel like a grind as a free to play player. But I mean, the fact that there'd be a welcome bundle coming up and the you know be able to draft any time, um, I think will do wonders for for the free to play player as well. So you know, the gamer is going to live or die by how many people play for free. Um, because, you know, in games like this, the people that spend money, I think, are few compared to the people that don't. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that they will come to a point where it's it's balanced for everybody. Um, but that's really positive that you spent $100, which in magic terms is a very small amount of money, right? It's it's tough to find a booster box, I think, for $100 usually. Um, maybe $90 is the, is the price point there if you buy them bulk. But um, $100 to basically play four decks of anything that you want and still be able to draft almost infinitely with, I mean, your skilled drafter, obviously, but that's really positive. Um, and I think that that is, that is very good for the people that want to pay to play magic. Yeah. I, I think this is just really good value. Like I, I plan for this to be the way that I play digital magic going forward with an occasional dip back into magic online for a cube or a flashback set I really enjoyed or a, a PTQ if I'm feeling crazy that week. And we haven't even got into the point where um, we can redeem cards, coupons out of booster packs, right? Where they experimented with that for a while. Um, but w- I imagine that'll be a thing too, right? So like there's a lot of there's a lot of things coming out here that we have to take into account when we're talking about the economy. So we're going to talk about this on another stream um, and we'll see what we can do after after the announcement comes out. Like I said, hopefully this week. Why? You want to wrap it up with some Dominaria chat? Yeah, tell me tell me about Dominaria. So I, I don't have near the number of reps as a lot of people do. Um, but I have learned I have learned a few things that may not be universal truths, but they are things that I hold true, which in American terms means that they are true, I think. Yes. So one card I want to talk about here is Jousting Lance. I um how did I describe this the other day? It's like it's like you you know you you go to a, a party or a bar and you're you're single guy or girl and you see you know a member of 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 the preferred gender of of your your tastes let's say and maybe maybe they're not very attractive right that's what jousting lance is it's not very attractive but if everybody else at that party is also not very attractive so you know maybe jousting lance is a 5 and all of the other cards are 3s Jousting Lance starts to look pretty good. And uh, I think we saw this on your stream today where you had a very bad first pack and you picked Jousting Lance to stay open. <laughs> yep. And I joked, I joked that you should take Jousting Lance and I gave you the Kappa. Um, but Jousting Lance has impressed me in decks that either lack removal, which means that you have to build threats that your opponents have to block or can't block profitably, or decks that just don't have bombs like bomb creatures. And if you can afford to do it, Jousting Lance seems to be able to turn any creature into a must-answer threat. And when your opponent's using removal on those creatures, if you do happen to have a single bomb in your deck or something like that, um, you know, it just opens up the way for your other creatures, which is kind of great. The downside is, is it's so expensive. I don't know how many times I've cast it and then be like, well, great, I'm never going to equip this card because I have to keep playing creatures or whatever. I have to keep playing removal spells or things like that. But it is a good way in a format where people seem to be playing 18 lands more frequently than in formats past 
It's a good way to spend mana. It's a good way to break open board stalls. And I think I called this on the set review, or at least early in the format, where you know I thought it would be a board stally format, and the jousting lance might be able to do some work in that. So, yeah, I, I would argue with you, but I quite literally did first pick a jousting lance today. I yeah. I also think short sword bears mentioning in this conversation just because it's it's cheap enough to play and cheap enough to equip and like the stat line of two three seems to be pretty good to me so far in this format so just Mm -hmm. turning a two two into a a three three or a two three into a three four opens up a lot of attacks that you didn't have before plus random historic triggers from both of them i i would say those cards have performed better than i expected yeah um, where I've got a lot of mileage out of the Jousting Lance especially is in a blue-white Flyers deck. Yeah. Where if I'm if I'm playing against a green deck and they play a Spider, I'm just shut down entirely. Um, Jousting Lance is the easiest way to break through that, I've found. Um, the, a very reliable way to break through that without having to use a removal on a dumb 3-5 with Reach, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got a lot of mileage out of that card. Um, it's also neat that it doesn't pump toughness. I've seen that come up a few times with either Tetsuko uh actually just with tetsuko like you put that on a relic runner for example and all of a sudden you got a four power unblockable like they just kind of can't do anything about that other than kill it or interact with it much like you were saying they they have to answer it for this game to continue yeah um speaking of relic runner i was pretty wrong on relic runner early on i wasn't a big fan of the most of the two drops in the format relic runner turned out to be is turning out to be much better than i thought it was um particularly because i think just you know you're playing random skittering surveyors in your deck and you're playing random short swords in your deck and tetsukos and and things like that there's a lot that it you could just nug your opponent for two or four or six points of damage which is pretty good for a two drop um most of the time so i've been quite impressed with relic runner just as a random two drop i don't sleep on that as much as i used to same i, I like relic runner I'll try this on for size. I have played more 16 and 18 land decks in this format than in any in recent memory. That is interesting to me, especially the fact that it's both 16 and 18. Yeah. Um, So that means that you're playing aggressive, like stopping at four decks. Or a deck that has two Llanowar Elves, for example. Or a deck that has Llanowar Elves or Grow from the Ashes plus Llanowar Elves, like things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, how good has Skittering Surveyor been? Like, can we just call it where like best best common in the set and we got to preview it is that something we can do i think it's good i also think it's a little bit overrated right now uh because most of the times where i I end up with two skittering surveyors i end up just playing one in 18 lands because like no way yeah way way. because like way i i did that in the 3-0 deck today like i had two skittering surveyors and i just didn't want one of them I absolutely had to hit all of my land drops all the way up to eight in that deck. And like the one Skittering Surveyor helped me do that. But the 18th land was just a Skittering Surveyor that I didn't have to get to three mana for. And there were plenty of times where I like confidently kept a two lander, you know, and then drew, it happened once, I drew the Skittering Surveyor and I was like, should I have just played 19 lands? And that that deck was a weird one uh, because it had a bunch of mana sinks and and, like some very high casting costs. But like... It's very good. I do think that there are times where you'll bench it. Like, I'm putting oh. the first one in just about every deck. I'm happy about the second one when I'm really doing some nonsense. See, I I think you you should have done is you should have played two plus 18 lands. That's not crazy. That's not right? crazy. And, and and the reason is because it's it's essentially, it's literally drawing you a card, right? And it, sure. it take And it takes the risk of playing 18 lands and flooding out down a little bit. Because, yes, you'll flood, 
but you also drew two extra cards along the way if you played both your skittering surveyors. I had a blue-white splashing red for Jorah, two, two Jorah's deck. This is basically blue-white flyers with, uh, with Jorah's as well. And it played three skittering surveyors. Well, I would with that deck too to find the mountain to, for Jorah and then to draw the card. Like you're drawing two cards if you have Jorah in or play. Sorry, no, not Jorah. The flyer, Joda. Joda, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Sorry, Jorah was the the creature. Yeah, no, of course you play three, but like it was just it was just so good. It you play it, draw a card, gain three life when you block it, right? Or gain four life when you block a, a Bayloth Gorger or something like that. I don't know. It's just. I have picked them so highly. I've been such an adult in this format. I've picked Icy Manipulator over, like, Flashy Rare. Oh, and you should. I've picked Skittering Surveyor over, like, most commons. Like, I get a Skittering Surveyor fourth pick. I'm like, sweet. I'm taking it. I don't care what's in the rest of the pack. Usually. Usually. I I think the real power in Skittering Surveyor, and and I talked with Tommy about this some last week, is he, he was very firmly on this as a bread drafting format. And he was like, Skittering Surveyor gives you a, a coin flip at getting another bomb in your deck. So he's like, I take bombs, I take removal, and then I take Skittering Surveyors. He's like, unless the removal is really good, because like it'll let you get that splashed Eviscerate or that splashed Tetiova into the deck that you realistically shouldn't be playing. Because this mm-hmm. is d- definitively a Prince format instead of a Pauper format. 100%. It's a haymaker format, and I, I stick by that, I think, too. Um, I mean, like I said, I don't have the reps that some people do, um, but I've watched enough to know that, you know, you deal with your opponent's bombs and you have bombs of your own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I've noticed, and this this is a small sample size for sure, but I have seen some, like, amazingly janky decks do <laughs> do really amazing things. I've seen the Whisper-Garna combo, I saw that in my paper draft that I went to with my daughter where you like, you know, sacrifice things to get Garna back and then Garna brings those things back and then you play them again. So if you're playing things with either ETBs or uh, leave the battlefield effects of some kind um, and you have enough time to do it, you can just grind your opponent out with infinite value. Um, I lost to a five color legend deck, Mm -hmm. which was great. Um, It was an amazing, amazing experience. But then I've also like seen like hyper aggro decks and I've seen really solid, you know, curve out decks and I've seen decks that are just built to stall and I've seen decks that don't have any plays until like turn four ever. Um, I've seen decks with no removal win. I've seen decks with infinite removal win. I've seen all of these different decks and, you know, we, we always talk about these defined archetypes when we do a set preview show, but like the defined archetypes are so loose in this and there's also like sub themes in some of these archetypes too right like like white blue can care about historic and it can also just care about flying or it can care about both and it's really cool to see that there's all of these little you know two and three and four card combos and, and things like that and i've seen a mill deck and i've seen like you know infinite looping of the homered explorers or whatever it is and it's just a really cool format and it's, it's giving a lot of good players the ability to express themselves creatively and when you said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, whoever it was that was on the First Strike podcast was on red-white as being, like, the best deck in the format, um, and that may have been true for a short while, like, it seems to have shifted multiple times in this format. And now, you know, a lot of people are on blue as being the best color, and a lot of people, some people like green as the best color, and everybody hates red for some reason. And it's just, you're seeing all of these opinions come together, and I think that means that wizards designed a very interesting and fun draft format that people are still exploring and still learning today 
Yeah, it's. I also think it's a good thing that multiple strategies are viable, mm-hmm. and you can do that splash. So there's still excitement opening the third pack, and that's really what I missed from the Ixalan experience. Was like I knew opening it. Well, I'm just going to take the vampire card or the merfolk card or whatever I happen to be in. Whereas in here, if I've got two skittering surveyors, I'm excited about that third pack. It could be anything, and we go and splash it. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, what's your favorite non? bomb in the format so far let's say like what's your most consistent card um or your your card that you like to draft the highest that's not a bomb howling golem it's interesting get on board the the two three is just a nice solid body and i've been in scenarios where like i had one in that 18 land deck today and i was mana screwed and i'd like attack with the guy my opponent doesn't block it because they want the card too and then i draw the land i needed it's like sweet so, like, it's it's sort of a 2-3 unblockable, like, against some opponents, because they're going to be like, I want a card, too. Like, I, I think it gets better the, the higher the card quality in your deck goes, which makes it interesting, because it's it's a solid blocker against an aggressive deck. And if I attack against an aggressive deck, I'm probably going to draw something better than what they are. They're going to mm-hmm. draw a 2-2, and I'm going to draw a 4-4. Four, four. I'll take that all day. So I don't think the card's amazing or great, but I think it's a lot more playable than I thought it was. And I was particularly impressed with it um, today. And like in those janky decks, it just gives you a solid, reliable, I can cast this on turn three no matter what I've got. Uh, And it's probably going to affect the board. It's probably going to block and draw us both a card. Yep. I think my favorite card to draft, especially in multiples, um, has been... The obviously the Cloud Reader Sphinx is just redonkulous. I I have basically taken up the mantra of um, I don't remember who started coining it, but it's just like never pass it. It's like if it's in your package, just don't pass it. Um, and if you end up with four, that's great. You just play them. Um, but that's the three four flying that scries for scries two. Um, good. It's it's good. It's very consistent. Um, if you're playing eighteen lands, it's like. You know, the number of times you've been a land to the bottom or two lands to the bottom, and it feels real good if you don't need them. Um, yeah, it's it's just been... It's done much better. Like, I think we when we talked about it originally, um, we were brainstorming offline for the first Strike Nation, um, kind of our top commons and uncommons. Um, obviously, like, I think for both of us, that was on our top commons list. Um, and I think, you know, we hit that one on the head for sure. That was 100% correct. So, um, what else? I've really liked... Um, curving out in this format sometimes so like i what did i do the other day the the black knight the knight of malice white knight black knights are those like the most the the those are my favorite two drops to play i think are the knights for sure um and one of my best plays i think was the black knight so the knight of malice into triumph of gerard so it gets plus one plus zero and then it gets a plus one plus one counter from triumph of gerard on turn three which so it's a it's at a four three first strike uh, coming at you on turn three. It's um, if you haven't done it yet, I highly recommend it. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Anything else, or uh, should we wrap it up there? Um, divination's good. Oh, divination's great. Dirk Bergen is probably better than divination, yeah. and Memorial to Genius is probably better than divination. So I think divination may be the third best of divination in the set. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other big thing, and, and Tommy mentioned this a little bit, but I, I think this is worth just kind of driving home. You can get two for ones all day and it kind of doesn't matter because the format really does revolve around those bombs. So like yep. there, there've been times where I've had an opportunity to use a, a blessed light 
to get a two for one, right? Like I attack in my opponent blocks and uses a combat trick. I'm like, you know what? I don't care. You can have it. You you got my hill giant. You you did it. Because I have to have this when they play, you know, their Sarah Angel. It, just an uncommon, right? Like, and it, the, the list gets worse from there. So like, it, it's weird, but like, I kind of don't go for all the two for ones I can get because they seem so free. Everything's a two for one, right? Like Divination, two for one. Skin Witch, two for one. Chronicler, two for one. Like, they're all just two-for-ones. So Oprah kind of went nuts giving everybody two-for-ones, but you still got to save your removal for them bombs. And that's what we talked about in the Fire It Off episode two episodes ago. Um, And that's I think, still rings true today. So, funny story. I drafted two 3-0 decks this uh, past stream that I did. One was the the blue-white Flyers deck. It had one piece of removal and a befuddle, which I grudgingly, begrudgingly called a removal spell. Um, and then I drafted a black-white deck that had, like, seven pieces of good removal, like Seal Away, Blessed Light, Eviscerate, um, God, what else did I have? Vicious Offering, things like that, multiple Vicious Offerings. And I still find myself with that six or seven removal deck making sure that I had one in the chamber for their bomb, right? It's like, you know, I only have one in my hand. I better wait just to make sure that I want to remove this thing or that I want to try to get this combat trick you know get a two for one on it or do i need to save it in case my opponent has some kind of ridiculous bomb coming down that i don't know about yet um and and it was like being you know removal poor and removal rich i was kind of playing the same way and kind of trying to conserve it um which which was awesome so it was it was really cool but um you know i don't have a lot of reps under my belt so people out there that have had more might be calling oh you're crazy david Take those two for ones all day. Well, no, you're not crazy. I've done 30 ish drafts, played a bunch of sealed. So like the two for ones just don't matter. It, what yeah. matters is when they slam Moldrotha, can you kill it right now? Yeah. Um, speaking of two for ones, what's your favorite saga? Real quick lightning round question there, but um, favorite, favorite one so far? The Eldest Reborn. It, mm-hmm. It's probably not the best. Like, I mean, with History of Benalia, I guess it can't be, but it's super fun just to be like, sack your dude discard a card i'm getting the best thing back what's up yeah i've been a big fan of the mending of dominaria i think that's, oh, that's probably really my favorite good one it, i know yeah. it's really good um it's a rare um song of freelies has kind of gone down for me a bit mostly because you know you you got to have creatures to do it whereas like something like time of ice or eldest reborn you don't have to have creatures um i've never had eldest reborn be bad like Same. even against even against a sapperling deck it's like well you know i got a sapperling you discarded a card and then i got a three drop back like it's it's a fine it's a fine three for one there essentially or two and a half for one. So, um, but I think mending of dominary is up there for me. I also really like time of ice. If you can slam it with an icy manipulator on board, you're, you're doing some work. Or if you happen to have a Rona on your own side, I got to do that, which was pretty fun. Did I tell you this? Did I tell you the story where I cast the same eldest reborn three times in a game and my opponent questioned like, like what was happening with his life basically (laughs) (laughs) it involved rona i take it it involved rona yeah um and then i had another draft deck this was a another paper draft where i drafted two eldest reborns and um what did i have that got it it must have had a rona too or some is there another way to get it back from the graveyard i'm trying to remember i've done it with tragic poet i'm not too proud to tell you that no no i had um mending of dominaria as well that shuffled back into the deck so it was a green black deck so I played Eldest Reborn, and then I played another Eldest Reborn, and then eventually on, I played Mending that shuffles everything back, and then I top-decked another one. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, bud. He's like, he looked at my graveyard, he's like, like, how many of those are you playing over there? And it's like, yeah, well, sorry, bud, but 
Yeah. It's, Eldest, it's, it's fun. Eldest Reborn is my favorite. Like I said, yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily the best, but it's certainly a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Um, we'll have more talk of Dominaria, I imagine. Um, I guess no, because Dominaria drafts her this weekend on Arena. So this is probably the last time we'll talk about it between now and the next set. It's kind of sad. Did you play any un, um, Uncommon Cube at all? I, I didn't get that one in. No. It popped right as I was getting ready to prep for the GP. And I was thinking I might try it today, but it, it was already gone. Yeah, a lot of people had a lot of fun with it, um, but I didn't have time to play it either, so whatever. No big deal. There'll be more cubes coming up in the near future. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up there, so thanks again to Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com for the support and the host. Anyone that's interested in supporting the stri- or the, the podcast on your own, you can check us out at Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash MenFromMoto. Travis, where can they catch you streaming in the future? You can find me at twitch.tv slash simulan, and I'm also on Twitter under the same name. And I am at twitch.tv slash dcivilian, it's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N, and I'm on Twitter the same. You can also catch us on the Men for Moto Twitter, that's just at Men for Moto. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye!